Live. This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering podcast with New York Sports Talk, a long suffering fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. Our second show of the week, we had a Yankee ALCS uh, preview, ALDS recap earlier in the week with Dan Federico. Did NBA overruns, Nick Fred. That episode's in the podcast feed. You want to go back and check that out. Today, we're going to do our NFL picks for week seven. I'm going to be joined in just a bit by Justin Diaz. Very chipper Justin Diaz. His Giants are finally doing well. They're 5-1 on the year. Talk to him in just a bit. Also going to talk a little NBA at the end of the show, a two-minute drill. Give you my thoughts on what the NBA expectations are for the New York teams this year. So, fun stuff as well. If you like what you hear on the Justin the Suffering Podcast, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just End the Suffering or Fairy Podcast platforms. The final episodes there, including the aforementioned episode earlier in the week with Danny Federico and the NBA Over-Unders. You can also leave some feedback and starring as well to help with the podcast even better going forward. You can feel free to do that. It helps out the show, makes it better for everybody in the listening audience. Really appreciate that when you do. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video version of the conversations on the podcast is going to be on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to our opening tip here. We'll reset where the Yankees stand after the first two games of the ALCS against Houston right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, opening tip time, and the ALCS is not going at all well for the Yankees. They lose both games in Houston, down 2 nothing. Day off today, heading back to the Bronx to start the stretch of five straight games to end the series. Had to win four of those to get to the World Series. It's not looking good. Let's start out here, take a look back what's going on here. Game one, Yankees lose 4-2. The bats were pretty much dead quiet outside of a pair of saw homers by Harrison Bader and Anthony Rizzo. Justin Verlander set the tone, 11 strikeouts. Yankees struck out 17 times on the night. That's not a way to win playoff games. You really can't do that. And again, Astros got the big hits when they mattered. One nothing Yankees down. Okay. You also be critical of Aaron Boone's bullpen match in this game as well. It was winnable for a bit. Boone, or Grassley pulled Jason Tyon in the fifth, which is probably the right call. It goes to Clark Schmidt. Schmidt does get out of a jam. He gets the final two outs. At point, you probably should just pull him and get a fresh reliever in the game here with the heart of the order coming up. Boone goes back to Schmidt again. He gets up two home runs. Not great. Lou Trevino comes in, cleans up his mess. Okay, inning over. You figure, okay, let's go to the next uh, quality reliever we have who's capable of pitching situations. Boone goes to Frankie Montas. He is not pitch well as a Yankee and is not a reliever by trade. He's a starter. It's coming in the seventh inning in a big spot. Immediately backfires. Montas gives up the home run to Jeremy Pena. Pretty much ices the game. The Yankees did have a chance to get back in this game in the eighth. Rizzo homers. They get the tying runs on base two outs. Ryan Presley does come in. Those strikes out Matt Carpenter and the threat. Game two. The defining moment of this game was the third inning here. He, Luis Severino is off to a pretty quick start, but then he hits Martin Maldonado with a pitch to start the frame. Not great because they one out single to Jeremy Pena. 
They get the field of his choice there. If he gets mauled an hour out, that thing is over. But instead, Alex Bregan comes up, connects on a fastball, dumps it into the Crawford boxes and left. It's 3 nothing. And then the next day, the Yankees do get back in this game because Fran Bervaldez basically misplays a ground ball double play, ends up throwing it away, ends up setting up Sarah where two runs end up scoring in this game. This should have been a double play, but instead, Valdez puts both on. The Yankees get them in, 3-2. Never really get close again after that because the Yankees strike out 13 more times in this game, which is terrific, including the final out of the game where Matt Carpenter gets rung up on the check swing. 30 strikeouts in two games for the Yankees. They lose 3-2. They head home down 2-0 here. And I was curious after the game to see what the talking points for the Yankees would be in terms of a game where they're playing a team that they have struggled against over the years. They pitched pretty well. They had not hit enough in the series. So I was curious to see what was going on here. And I was not thrilled with what I heard. Let's start out here. Let's go to last night's star, Luis Severino, talking about the home run he gave up to Alex Bregman in the, in the third inning. That team really frustrates you that they've had your number for so long and it's happening again? Not at all. Uh, I threw a great pitch. I mean, he hit it at 91. So that's the only thing that I'm going to say. And Judge hit it at 106 and then it go out. So, I don't know. They got lucky. They got lucky. Alex Bregman hits a home run. We're talking about exit velocity that, you know, he hit it 91 off the bat. Well, Aaron Judge hit his 106 off the bat. I'll get to that later. But 106 off the bat doesn't mean anything. The ball went out of the yard. They made contact. You did not. I don't want to hear about luck in a playoff game. The same guards that Spencer Stryer was talking about in, in August when he, when he got beat up by the Mets on soft contact. You know what? Results matter. They got results you didn't. Let's see maybe the manager does better here. Let's see how Aaron Boone handled uh, his postgame press conference. That ball the judge hit, I mean, it was only about 370, but did you think it had a chance in that short right? Yeah, I think, you know, who would have thought? I think the roof opened kind of kind of killed us. I, I think I think it's a 390 ball. I think it was like 106 at whatever. And when I went out to take Seve out, we noticed it a lot with Tucker's ball. You know, the base hit he got to right, it kind of looked like it just went and stopped. And then I think Judge is a homer all the time. Wind was blown in. The wind point. was blown, yeah, across like that. So, um, yeah, I didn't think like he smoked it like no doubter, but it felt like his homers to right. Okay, so now we went from exit velo to the roof is open, and it's the problem of the roof. And to recap here, this happened in the eighth inning where they're down a run. Aaron Judd hits a shot to right field. And Kyle Tucker basically catches it right in front of the wall. And we see that you look at the replay, probably would not have gone out, probably would bounce on the top of the wall. But Aaron Boo is saying the the Astros opened the roof, the wind's blowing in, and that took care of that. That's why he didn't homer. I'm sorry. That's a load of garbage. Because I want to give credit to the great Sarah Langs on Twitter. She is a great baseball presence on Twitter. She correctly pointed out here, that ball that Aaron Judge hit, what if it hit a home run in one stadium? One. I'll let you take a wild guess which homer which stadium would have been homering. We have blamed exit velocity, luck, and the roof for the fact that Yankees lost this game. How do you try not to strike out 30 times in two games? How about that? Maybe that's how you win playoff games. And I don't want to hear about, oh, home runs, home runs, home runs. You're striking out 30 times, and you're not getting guys on base enough. And this approach that they have, it will let you beat up garbage teams in the regular season who don't have good pitching staffs. When you play these kind of league pitch in the playoffs, the Astros are loaded with it. 
You cannot win hitting solo home runs. You need to have guys on base and be able to put together big innings. The Yankees cannot do that. They've not been able to do that for years in the playoffs. And this already does not seem to get it. They don't want to change it. And they've got the same thing happening over and over and over again until we have a little bit of organizational philosophy change, in my opinion, here. And now they come home, and they're in a rough spot here because they're down 0-2. They play five straight days now. The rest There are no more off days the rest of the series, thanks to the lockout here. 3-4-5 in the Bronx on sun, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday in Houston if we get there. I don't know if we can get back to Houston at this point. Garrett Cole right now, biggest start of his season thus far, and all the good vibes he got for his two great outings in the Cleveland series, they're going to go away if he gives it a stinker on Saturday night against the Astros. He needs to give them a big gem here. They need to get back in this game. Honestly, they need to win all three games here. If they do not and Houston gets one in New York, it's over because they are not winning two games in Houston the way they're playing here. I think right now this is a very, very bad spot for the Yankees because, again, the off days hurt them more than the Astros because their bullpen must stay on the Houstons. And Houston has pitchers that go deep in these games. The Astros grind the at-bats. The Astros will get their Yankee starters out earlier than the than the Yankees get the Astros starters out of these games. And you look at, you know, when you have really four guys that bullpen that he trusts in Jonathan Eliza, Lou Trevino, Clay Holmes, and Wandy Peralta. Going five straight days can be tough. That's when Boone's already told you he does not want to go back-to-back days at Clay Holmes. That's a problem. That's going to be a big issue in this series. And between that, I just think the Astros right now, getting both, if they find a way to somehow get tomorrow, it's over. If they get one in New York, it's over. The Yankee season really comes down to they need to win three in a row and get one of the two in Houston. If that don't do that, I think it's happening here. And we're going to have another year at the Yankees not in the World Series and see if they just run it back again and say, October's random. You got to, you know, just get in and see what happens. I don't think they're going to change much, even if they miss, because they're going to view this year's success because they got to ALCS again. They just lost a better team. I don't think that's going to be play out very well. We'll see what happens here. Rest of the series. We'll check back in next week, see what's going on. But up next, we're going to get to our NFL picks right after this. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks for week number seven are here. Joining me today, one of my favorite guests now on the picks every single year. Is New York Giants actually doing good for once? Justin Diaz here. Justin, how are you? I'm well, Mike. Thank you. Yeah, it's going to be a different tone from the previous five years uh, that have been on the podcast where the Giants are actually good. It's, it's really it feels like I'm dreaming. I, I can't believe it. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about some positivity for once. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this whole week, this last couple weeks has been very positive. Brian Dale's done a good job with this team. I mean, I was locked in on the Jet game, obviously, Sunday, because they're playing at the same time. But, I mean, I look back, I caught up in the Giant game. I mean, they're down 20 to 10 in the fourth quarter against Baltimore. This turn, okay, turns, and they pick off Lamar in the end zone. They come back, they get the lead, then they have the whole sequence at the end where they have to strip sack, and then they recover the fumble and the game here. Like, how stunning was that just in, in the moment of seeing them just turn, completely flip the script this man about like 10 minutes? Yeah, it's been the story of the season where a couple of times you feel like they're down and out or same exact thing with the Green Bay game the week prior where you think, okay, they put up a good fight. It's been a good season so far, but we're supposed to lose to the Ravens and, and we're supposed to lose to the Packers. But somehow, some way, they managed to get it done. That 
that Lamar Jackson pick was, it, it was, I think it was around the 40 yard line or 50 yard line. It was a terrible pass. It really bailed them out because one thing with the Giants so far is they really have not been able to pass the ball down the field. They're, they're actually dead last in, in big pass plays, which is plays over 25 yards. They have three total pass plays over 25 yards. So long story short, I mean, Lamar throwing that pass, like you, and they, they wound up returning it to, I think, like the five yard line that really bailed them out because they, you know, they've, they've played great, but they, they just struggle to get down the field. So that, that really bailed them out, that pick. Yeah, it certainly did. And, and you look at the talent on this roster. I mean, obviously, Saquon's having a great year. Obviously, their defense is playing well. Daniel Jones is limited mistakes. But you look at the amount of talent they have on the team and compared to, like, some of the rosters they're playing here, like, it's just downright stunning. They're 5-1. and one. I mean, you would have signed for, like, 3-3 three and three after six weeks with the, what the games they had on tap. So, 5-1, and one, I feel like it's amazing. It's, it's, it's really hard to believe. I would have signed up for... Oh, and six and, and confidence <laughs> all, all <laughs> going into the season. All we asked for, I think as realistic giant fans were show some confidence. Let's see that Brian Dable knows what he's doing. Show everyone plays hard, but I mean, we win a couple of games here and there just for the morale of the, the organization. But to be sitting here at five and one was unfathomable. It's yeah. I mean, you look at the receivers, they, they have nobody like, and it's not to knock any of these guys They They all work hard. They, I, I love the attitude of everyone. They all play hard. Wandale Robinson, like finally came back. He, he looks like he actually has, he's, he's talented. The rest of the guys, I mean, to put it nicely, they're, they're fringe, a lot of fringe roster guys that you fill in with injuries, but they're, they're playing them and they're, they're getting it done. It's, it's, it's incredible to watch. Yeah, I mean, you look at their schedule, too, like going down the stretch here. I know we don't, it's not fun to play the schedule game because anything can really happen in the league. But, I mean, with some of the teams they're playing, I mean, they got the Jaguars, they got the Texans, they got the Seahawks, they got the Lions still on the schedule, plus they have two of the Commanders. I mean, like, I feel like this point would be an upset they don't make the playoffs. I, I Yeah, like you said, you don't want to play the schedule game too early, but the way they've been playing, I mean, I will say they, they feel like – I mean, the, the, the job Martindale has done with the defense has been incredible. Uh, Dable and Kafka on the offensive side. And just they just feel it's sometimes a hard thing to quantify coaching, obviously, but it just feels like that they're well-prepared. They're constantly put in good positions with the limited talent they have. They they just the, the in-game management's been excellent, things we haven't seen in, in years since, since Coughlin. And even Coughlin at the end seems to slip a little bit. So... To, honestly, with the schedule being light, it feels like, I mean, they're at Jaguars, at Seattle. I actually, I think Seattle actually looks better than people expected. Jacksonville is better than they've been in years. So if they could split those games, they, they realistically could win both. I mean, they could realistically lose both. But yeah, the, the schedule is pretty light. So, I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I do expect us to make the playoffs at this point. It's it's unbelievable. It's I haven't had fun watching Giants football since 2016, so it's a breath of fresh air. And, yeah, Dable has really brought life back to, to the Giants uh, organization. Yeah, I think this is also a good spot to see what this coach have is made of here because, obviously, these last two games were amazing comebacks. You beat good teams. Now you have some expectations. You're going on the road, playing a team that's not playing well. They're 2-4. and four. They do have talent, but they've been underachieving here. I think it's a good test to this coaching staff here to see, you know, like, not let the Giants sleep on this team, who they they should be when they're playing well. But like Jacksonville's a town, they can go beat anybody. Just ask the Colts. Agreed. I mean, 
the Jaguars are actually favored by three and a half at last I checked, but I agree. I mean, if, if you're, it's, I mean, it's, it's a weird thing because the Giants are five and one, but most people couldn't name like five guys on offense that they have. Like you have Saquon, people know Daniel Jones, but no one's going to say he's a, exactly an all pro. And then the receivers, I, I know them, I mean, David Sills, Wandale Robinson. Uh, I, I even struggle to name them. I mean, they're, 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 the talent is so it's so barren. There's so few difference makers, especially on offense. But so you don't want to say, well, they should win anything because if you stack up their roster and their Jaguars roster, I, I might give the edge to the Jags at least uh, and skill position wise. But yeah, I mean, when you're five and one, that, that does start to come with the expectations. So I agree. Let, let's see what they can do. And, but my expectations are kind of, I, even though I said, I expect them to make the playoffs. I'm still having the mindset of I just want to see them continue to be well coached, play hard, get better as the season goes on. I'm not going to sit here and say if they wind up going nine and uh, eight and, and like, you know, it, it was a massive disappointment of a season. It, it'll be disappointing compared to where we thought they might be after six games, but we still have to be realistic and look at the roster. Yeah, I'm glad you brought the lineup here because that's an interesting thing here because this is a game that's three games better than the Jaguars in the win-loss column here. It's like this line feels very fishy with the way this way the Vegas works here. I mean, I've seen a couple of these this year, and I'm not going think week two when New England was favoring Pittsburgh. I thought it was fishy. New England ends up winning the game. Does that worry you at all? I mean, I, I just know like lines or uh, betting lines are based purely on statistics. And yeah, there's, there's obviously the, the betting, as the betting happens, the lines shift. But the Giants are plus 14 for the season, I meaning they've outscored their opponents by 14 points total which is a stunningly low number for a team that's five and one. So they really, I mean, week one, they lost on a missed field goal. I'm not, you know, I've been the most, I've been a very pessimistic giant fans for years. So that's not what I'm about to do. I'm just going to speak facts that they've been, they're pretty fortunate to be five and one. I'm thrilled with it. I'm not saying it's pure luck, but they're not exactly the best five and one team you're going to see. I'm not going to say they're the worst. Like you've been seeing, some articles saying, are the Giants the worst three and one, four and one, five and one team? But I'm not shocked by that line. I, I am, I'm going to bet on the Giants to win the game. I, I do think they'll win the game. And I, I think, I think they're the better team, but the line itself doesn't shock me given how the Giants have won these games and, and that they've been pretty fortunate for lack of a better term to, to be five and one. Absolutely. Let's go to the picks. The reason why you're here, uh, Kevin Wills was here last week on the picks. He went one and two. He, Bet the Ravens laying the six points against the Giants. That worked out very well for him. He bet the Chiefs getting the two and a half points at home. Lost that one. He did lay the six and a half with the Eagles. So one and two for Kevin. Yeah, bad job, Kevin. Uh, I, I actually bet on the Giants to beat the Ravens. There were plus, there was a big, a big like there were plus two thirty or something. I just was feeling confident, and again, like, Lamar Jackson kind of gifted that to us at the end. But I'll take it. Hey, and. Yeah, don't doubt the Giants, even though I just spent the last 30 seconds trying to temper expectations, but, you know. Yeah, on the other hand, I went 2 on the week. I did bet on the Giants last week. I did take them with the points last week, so I got that one right. I took the Falcons getting 5.5 because the Niners, they won the game outright. I was, I had a family play with Kevin on the Chiefs. He lost that together, so 2-1 and one on the week, but I was on your Giants. Okay, good. I'm glad you are. Yeah, because I saw like the, the t- between it felt they were not getting enough respect for their record. I felt like the Ravens have a history of blowing these big fourth quarter leads. I felt like the game was gonna be closer than like I, I did not think they were going out right. That'll be fair. Yeah, I mean, 
I bet them just because I thought the value was good at plus two thirty. I didn't. If I would have guns in my head, I probably would have still picked the Ravens. I kind of bet with my heart and and the value of the plus two thirty. But they're just a weird team to evaluate right now. I mean, it, it might just be one of those seasons where things keep breaking their way. Uh, my hope is, you know, they sometimes uh, uh, season's a, it's a long season, so you kind of hope the beginning of the year things break your way, and that happening, you know brings confidence throughout the roster and then they just continue to get better. Like you get lucky at the beginning of the season and as the season goes on, you get better and you, yeah, before you know, you could have like a 12 and five, 13 and four record. So let's see what happens. It's a, I mean, again, like I have not, I, I, I stopped watching pretty much every season by like week six, week seven at the latest the last couple of years, they were unwatchable. I mean, I would check in, watch the beginning of the game. Joe judge would do a QB sneak on third and eight, second and eight. And then what, what am I going to watch that garbage for? <laughs> I, I will say, I mean, we have to mention Dave Gettleman because he's my arch nemesis. But thank you, David, for being gone, for retiring, quote unquote. Nobody misses you. You're the worst GM in the history of sports. And thank you. Thank you for, for leaving grace, graciously, um, even though you really were fired, but the Giants can didn't have the heart to do it for some reason. But yeah, the second he goes, <laughs> the stench of Gettleman and, and Joe Judge also equally as much of a clown and the worst coach ever. They probably possibly things instantly turn around. I just had to I just had to throw that in there just because my I still get upset thinking about them and how how long we we're stuck with them. So, but it's all all positive vibes and energy now with the Giants. They're far gone. They can't hurt us anymore. <laughs> I still I only wake up to the occasional nightmare once every few weeks thinking about them but they're gone they can't hurt us anymore yeah and dave gallon if you are listening to this podcast no you're not but i'm gonna say this if, if, there's, if there's toilet paper like on your house for halloween it wasn't me i'll point that out there <laughs> yeah. hey but he's in cape cod somewhere but yeah it's true i mean i i am free on halloween weekend but i i'll be in the city and if it, if it happens i'm sorry it wasn't me either but i can't say i blame whoever did it yeah, let's get now. Let's get to the picks here. As the guest, you're gonna go first. So where are you going with pick number one? All right, we're gonna keep it simple. Pick number one: Giants uh, with three and a half points at Jacksonville. I laid out before what I think. Uh, I do. Th- I actually think they'll win the game outright. Uh, I like. I just love the way they're playing. Um, I, I think they'll they'll win that game. Yeah. Uh, next game, I'm yeah, going yeah, with. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm like, yeah, let's say as far as that pick goes, like I respect the logic. The number scares me. The fact that Vegas is that confident the Jaguars giving them three points in this game with a team that's three three games better than the one-loss column. That, for me, is a stay away. So I I respect your play. I just can't go off the ride with you. Fair. Uh, I do think, though, the Giants have won four games as underdogs this year. So I I think they'll make it five and and keep the good times rolling. All right, where are you going with pick two? Uh, Baltimore, minus six and a half at home against Cleveland. I think there's a, a very, I know it's a very important game for Baltimore. That was a sloppy way to lose last week. I think Lamar's just, he, he's been playing amazing through three quarters, and then his fourth quarter rating has been terrible. Uh, I think he'll avoid any costing mistakes. I think they'll win this game pretty handily. Six and a half is always kind of a scary number. You can get a backdoor cover. I, I don't think that'll happen. I think Baltimore controls game start to finish. Yeah, the thing that scares me with this game is the Ravens' penchant for the late, blowing double-digit leads thing here. So that's a stay away from me also. But I get the lie. You know, this is the bounce-back spot. Exactly. Pure bounce-back. Now we're getting to that point where it's now or never for them. 
I, I think they're a great team. They've just been a little sloppy at the end of the game. Uh, I think that ends this week. All right, where are you going with pick number three? Going with my arch rival Cowboys, minus seven, hosting Detroit. I think Dak coming back, they're going to be amped. Uh, they're going to play a great game. Cooper Rush did an admirable job filling in, but he kind of still has limitations against the Eagles there last week. I think the Cowboys did win in a blowout. I think Detroit's really bad. I know they had a couple of big games. They finally got shut out this last weekend. I just think there's just so much going for a Cowboys blowout this weekend. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I feel like I did not take it, but this is basically the homecoming game for the Cowboys, where they're going to win this game by, I'm calling, like at least 20 points. Yeah, I totally agree. I could just see Jerry Jones with some stupid grin on his face, like, you know, high-fiving everybody and being his old Southern guy self. And I, I'm going to hate every second of it, but it just kind of be an objective prognosticator here. I, I see the Cowboys in a blow in that game. All right, that's your picks on the board. I'm up now. Pick number one. I'm going to go with an underdog. You're going to take the Colts getting two and a half in Tennessee against the Titans. And we know the Colts have not played great this year at the start here. But Frank Reich seems always start slow. And I think last week something clicked against Jacksonville where Matt Ryan had played his best game as a Colt. The line was blocking well. They got good running without Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's going to be back this week. It should help. And I don't trust Tennessee at all. I don't think they're a very good football team. You know, I have to buy the extra prep. I think this will be a spot where the Colts sort of just kicking the overdrive here and start trying to run away with this division here. I, I'm getting two and a half points. They're going to win the game outright. I'll take the Colts pick one. Interesting. I don't I don't like that pick. I, I, I don't like either of those teams. I, I agree. Frank Reich, I think, is an excellent coach. He's worked with some weak quarterback play between Wentz last year and Matt Ryan. Great guy, I'm sure, but he's just I just don't think he has it anymore. He's, I think his athleticism and arm strength is just too weak now. I, the Titans are one of those teams that are tough to pin down, and it's been that way, I feel like, every year for the last three or four years. I, I do think it'll be a good game. I, I think the Titans win at home, but I, I just that's a, I, I, I think that's a stay-away game, if anything. But uh, we'll see what happens. All right, pick number one. Pick number two, I'm going to Sunday Night Football. I'm taking the Dolphins laying seven at home against the Steelers. And I think a lot of things went right for Pittsburgh last week in this game. I know the offensive line for the Bucks couldn't protect Tom Brady very well. They had issues in the past game. They still only scored 20 points this game. And Miami's getting two a back. They're desperate after a three-game losing streak. I feel like they're going to put up a lot of points on the Steelers. I don't think Pittsburgh's able to keep up with them. Seven's a big number, but I tr- I, I really trust the Dolphins. They're going to lay the seven with Miami on Sunday night and do that pick, too. I saw that one, too. I, I totally agree. If Tua let's pray he stays healthy and he's okay and he's himself, if that's the case, they, they should. I, I think the Steelers are terrible. No offense, Mike Nasty. Um, and I think the Dolphins are a very good, very talented team that just had some bad luck. If two is there and he's healthy and he's okay, yeah, it's good for them. All right, let's pick number two. Pick number three. First time here, I'm going, going to Monday Night Football. I'm taking the New England Patriots laying the eight home against the Chicago Bears. And the Bears, I think, might be the worst team in the league because. Justin Fields has no support at all offensively. Their defense is bad. And I had a good feeling at this game when I heard Bill Belichick go for about five minutes talking about how great the Bears are. But he's sitting in his mind thinking, I'm going to win this game by about 35 points because Chicago cannot stop anything I do. They're going to run down their throats. Whether it's Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, they're going to put up a lot of points. Chicago is not going to do anything as New England defense. Two touchdown victory at least for the Patriots. and going to lay the eight with New England on Monday night. Yeah, I, I agree. The Bears are terrible. I feel just, I, I feel bad for him. It's, it's tough to fairly evaluate him. There have been stretches of time where I think he, he doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. Like, I, I, 
it's, but again, like he's dealing with a, a really weak uh, surrounding cast. I don't know about this new coach. I, I mean, I really don't. I barely know his name. Everflows or something like that. <laughs> but I don't know. We, who knows if he's a good coach? It's a rough situation there. They're lucky to be two and four. Yeah, Bell, they're going to smoke him. I, I actually like Kelly Zappi a lot. I, I, I kind of hope he keeps playing. I know it's kind of up in the air if he's playing or not. I, I agree with that pick, too. I think it's going to be a blowout. All right, so reset the picks of the week. Justin has gone with his Giants getting three and a half in Jacksonville against the Jaguars. The Ravens laying six and a half all against the Browns. The Cowboys laying seven in the homecoming game against the Lions. My picks, I've got the Colts plus two and a half in Tennessee against the Titans. The Dolphins laying seven at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And New England laying eight against the Bears on Monday Night Football. Those are your picks for week number seven. And normally this is where I announce who's coming on next week, but you don't have that locked down quite yet, so bad producing by me. But we're going to have a picks guest next week, so haven't decided yet to be a Jet person. Probably not be a Giant person back-to-back, but we're going to have some more picks next week. That was some fun. Don't be so hard on yourself. That's not bad producing. It's it's tough to lock these things in. You probably have flaky friends that are non-committal. So not not bad. You're an excellent producer, and you do a great job with it. So, and I always appreciate you having me on. I always have a blast, and and thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Here, and we were recording prior to Game Two of the ALCS tonight with the with the uh, Yankees and the Astros. Here, do the Yankees win? I'll get I'll get that on record for you. Yes, they do. They have to, so they will. Luis Severino is going to come out and dominate. Judge is going to hit a big two-run home run at some point. Uh, they're just going to they're going to win. I'm going to Game Three with Phil Fred on Saturday. Thank you, Phil, for the invite. We're going to have a blast. We're going to see the Yankees smoke the Astros Game Three, and we're we're going to the World Series, and we're winning. It's going to be a great year for New York sports. We're turning it around. It's been a bad stretch for many years. This is the year it all turns around. Yeah, they do make the World Series. Except for the Mets. Yeah, if they do make the World Series and win it, this clip is going to be on the year-end, like uh, uh, year-end holiday special. I can't wait. I, I I love making the holiday special. I feel like it's it's always for negative rants about the Giants and and their incompetence. It's time positive. I I could be positive, people. Just when the, when the circumstances call for it, I will be positive. So it's proof. This year is proof. It's all you needed. Just positive things to happen. Yeah, positive Justin is here. We'll see how long it lasts. Justin, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mike. It's, I always love coming on and talking with you. Thank you so much. The two-minute drill. All right, two-minute drill time here. The NBA season underway. I know it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. We have the hockey starting. The Yankees are obviously in the playoffs. The Jets and Giants are doing well. But basketball is here. And I feel like the expectations for these teams around here are very interesting. Start the Knicks for a minute. They started out overtime loss at Memphis in game one. But Jalen Brunson looked like he belonged. They fit in the New York market, which is encouraging because he was their one big ticket acquisition in the offseason. They have not had a true point guard in a long time. Brunson is a big step in fixing that problem here. And Brunson, I think, is the key this season because the East as a whole got stronger. The Knicks did manage to win 37 games last year with pretty much everything on the under the sun going wrong. You have, you know, not much has to go right, I feel like, for this to actually get better. Julius Randle went from most improved player in the league to one of the worst players in the league last year. If he's in the middle, that's a positive development. Give R.J. Barrett develop. If he's more effective at the rim, he shoots a little better. That will help. You get some of the young guys continuing to grow. You get Emmanuel quickly. You get Obi Toppin making contributions. You get Quentin Grimes growing into a 
defender, maybe takes uh, Evan Fournier's role in the starting line at some point. You have the strong second unit headline by Derrick Rose. With Brunson sort of running the show here, you are looking at a team that should be at least in the hunt for the play in tournament because last year, Knicks finished 11th in the conference. Getting to the top six would be tough because, again, the East got very good at the top, especially when teams making these big moves. I think they can be in a play in tournament team for sure. The Nets, on the other hand, still have the higher ceiling because they still have Kevin Durant. The whole trade fiasco got resolved. He's, he's committed to Brooklyn. Kyrie's in his walk here, motivated to play well. Ben Simmons is healthy. He feels like the perfect guy to put next to them because he's a good defender. He can compliment what they do. He doesn't have to control basketball. He can work with his teammates. Getting those three to gel as a unit feels like it takes some time. Nets do have some interesting pieces around them, though. You got Seth Curry back. He's a good shooter. Joe Harris being healthy is a big help because when he went down last year, they had issues shooting the basketball. Patty Mills, a good spark plug on the second unit. Some veterans in the back in the front court and Markeith Morris, Royce O'Neal. So they have a lot of options there. You have some tight winning upside with Brooklyn. But the question with them is you do not know if they're going to be better than the elite in the East right now, like the Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat. Let's say they end up at the four seed, which, you know, it's a real guy's like reasonable expectations here because, you know, you still have to contend with, besides those three, you got to contend with Cleveland, you have to contend with the Hawks, you have to contend with the Toronto Raptors are very good, the 76ers are always dangerous here. You look at this Eastern Conference here, and you're going to say, like, if you can say, I'm the four seed, and I take care of business, and I just get hot in the playoffs, is that enough to get the job done? And then you get the chance to form that way? We'll find out. And with that, I want in the second show of the week, I want to thank my guest, Justin Diaz, for coming on to do the NFL picks. A lot of fun stuff there. Always a great time chatting with Justin. Very good stuff like this podcast, including my look at why the LD playoff format is flawed. It's not flawed, actually. I think it is fine. I think this year is an aberration. Check out the blog over at justinthesuffering.wordpress.com. Check out the Sky Guys podcast. Our recap of episode seven of Andor is already out in the Sky Guys podcast feed. It's not dropping in this one until Sunday. So if you do not want to wait for the Sky Guys stuff, Feel free to subscribe there. Same podcast platform mentioned at the top of the show. Also follow me on Twitter, mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And with that, we're going to head into next week on the podcast. Coming up next week, we're going to do some World Series preview here. Will the Yankees be there? We'll see. NFL picks and more. Until they help have a better week than the Guardians fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.